if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. Hour number two is underway. Thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, seven minutes after the hour. No, it's eight minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 17th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2018. One week away from Christmas Eve Day. Uh, my goodness, it is creeping up on us very, very far. What am I saying? It's not creeping. It's rushing. I feel like I'm on, a, I'm on the tracks and there's just a uh, uh, there is a train bearing down upon us, and it is called Christmas. It is really coming fast, and I hope you're ready for it. I absolutely am. I'm feeling very Christmassy. I'm in the spirit. we got some great Christmas music going today. we got a Christmas gift, on uh, an early gift, if you will, <clears throat> on Saturday from Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, and we got a gift from a bunch of great kids. Uh, last segment, I'll, sh- I'll share that song with you again coming up in just a little bit. Do me a favor, if you would. If you're a regular listener of this show, and also a regular listener of the Hugh Hewitt nationally syndicated program that precedes it uh, on our daily clock. Uh, you know the somewhat rivalry, if you will, that I've had with uh, the brilliant Mr. Hewitt uh, on matters related to the Cleveland Browns. As uh, way back, way back this past spring before the NFL draft, we had a... Um, Town hall style gathering on stage. I believe we were at Lander Haven and Peter Kersenow was there and, uh, who else? Dennis Prager was there. Michael Medved was there. Hugh Hugh was there and I was there. We were taking pictures with, uh, VIP ticket holders and every VIP ticket holder that came up. Hugh asked, who do you think the Browns should take in the draft? We had the number one overall pick. And of course he had asked me that and he asked Peter Kersenow that and Hugh and. Pete and just about everybody was all about Sam Darnold, the USC quarterback, and he asked me, and I said, I think they should take Baker Mayfield, the quarterback from Oklahoma. Hugh laughed and mocked me, laughed at and mocked me to every uh, future <laughs> picture taker. Tell you, you believe this guy wants Mayfield from Oklahoma? Uh, ever since Baker Mayfield started tearing it up for the Cleveland Browns, Hugh is trying to rev- use revisionist history and tell everyone that. Uh, I was the one who wanted Darnold, and I did not want Baker Mayfield, and he's trying to take credit for it. It's been an awful lot of fun. In the interest of that fun, I ask you, I beseech you, call Hugh's program tomorrow. Tell him about this song and ask him if he's got any rhymes for Darnold. 
Don't ask him how well this would be playing out right now. If the Browns would have six wins, uh, and uh, if Sam Darnold were our quarterback, whether or not uh, there would be anything quite as catchy as Baker the touchdown maker. Because you I say know no. Peyton and Brady <laughs> and Newton it. and Brees, Rodgers and Watson and Dalton. It's even better that these are kids, by the way. If this was done by a professional band, it would be fun, but not as much as with the kids. Because Rudolph should only be sung by kids. Baker, the touchdown maker, had a very mighty throw. And if you ever saw him, then there is no doubt you know. All of the other folklores used to let me call us names. Because we never had a quarterback who played a decent football game. Then one Thursday evening sack, Tyrod took a hit. But Baker with his right arm might gave the Browns a win that night. Then how the players loved him as they shouted out with glee. Baker, 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 the touchdown maker. You'll go down in history. You'll go down in history. That is one of the greatest things I think I've ever heard. I kid you not. The fact that kids are doing it, not just a band. Because, you know, there's going to be all kinds. Remember Bernie Bernie and everything? There's going to be all kinds of, you know, local bands that come up with things, uh, you know, for the Browns, the resurgent Browns. It's such a Browns town. You know, even when the Indians were going to the World Series two years ago and the Browns were stuck in Nowheresville, uh, it was still a Browns town. And uh, now it's going to be even more fun. But when the kids do it like that, it's even better. So do me a favor. Call Hugh Hewitt tomorrow morning. Tell him about Baker, Baker the Touchdown Maker, and the song by the kids. And Because uh, I don't know if he's in California, if he's in D.C. right now, wherever he is, but he's probably not hearing this. Uh, tell him about it, and then ask him if he can think of any rhymes for Darnold to let us know if that works out for him. All right, uh, back to serious issues now. It's 1013. Appreciate you being here. Uh, White House spokesman Hogan, this is Politico, by the way. Is, I want, we're going to talk a little bit about the media, talking a little bit about the president, talking about the Trump administration, talk about illegal immigration, and talk about attacks that are unfair by the media and the left on the administration. This is how the headline, this is the headline for Politico and the story of the terrible seven-year-old uh, girl who died uh, in uh, Border Patrol custody uh, late last week. Headline. Trump administration rejects responsibility for death of seven-year-old girl in Border Patrol custody. Could they have slanted that headline anymore? The inference being that the Trump administration is responsible for the death of the seven-year-old because she was in border custody, but they reject that responsibility. That's the inference from Politico. See, when, when President Trump constantly refers to fake news, when he's constantly talking about the press being the enemy of the people, this is the kind of trash he's talking about. And he's right. This doesn't serve the people because this doesn't tell the story. That headline, and, and let's be honest with, it, with ourselves here, we have become a headline-reading society. We are not in-depth researchers. We are not in-depth readers. We are in such a fast-paced Society, and I mean instant microwave food right now. I need my news at the drop of a hat, and I'm going to get all I'm gonna get. All I need is the headline that came across my 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 screen. I signed up for the ABC News alert. If something happens that's important, I'll get a headline across my screen on my phone, and it'll tell me the truth. 
That's what people think, or, 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 or any other news network, that people read headlines, they don't read content. So they slant the headline like this to make it look like Trump is responsible because girl in border custody, uh, border patrol custody, rather, and, and Trump administration rejects their own responsibility, making them look evil, making it look like they're the ones who did something wrong here. That's slanted, biased, hashtag, fake news. The text of the article, White House spokesman Hogan Gidley said Friday that the Trump administration isn't responsible for the death of a seven-year-old girl in Border Patrol custody. Again, just looking at it this way, even if you are one who goes further than the headline, what do most people do? They'll read a paragraph, maybe two. They're not getting into the depth of the story. And so they'll bury the most important information, most of these quote-unquote fake news or mainstream drive-by, whatever you want to call them, uh, news outlets, they'll bury the most important information down in a place where you're not going to read that far because you're busy and we're in a fast-paced Persian bizarre society where it's got to go now, 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 now. So the headline and the first line, uh, does the administration take responsibility for a parent taking a child on a trek through Mexico to get to this country? Gidley said outside the White House, according to a poor report, no. U.S. Customs and Border Protection acknowledged Thursday night that a girl from Guatemala died of exhaustion, dehydration, and shock less than 48 hours after authorities at the border took the girl into custody, along with her father and a large number of migrants who crossed into New Mexico illegally. Gidley called the death a horrific, tragic situation, but asserted it could have been prevented with stricter immigration laws. He's right, of course, about this, but they still want to give you the spin that it's the border Customs and Border Protection who let her die. That's the story they want to tell. The Washington Post wanted to tell that same story. This is just the way that they operate. Well, the the Homeland Security Department, and by, by the way, the other part of all of this, and I need to, you know, I'm tying a lot of my frequent themes on this program together right now with this story, social media, Twitter. Twitter actually had, I wanted to know why on Friday, Kirsten Nielsen, the uh, Homeland Security uh, uh, Secretary, was trending. So I went on Twitter and I saw her trending there and I clicked on her to see why she was trending. And the reason she was trending is because Twitter, meaning leftist mob Twitter court, all right, and I use all those terms intentionally, it's filled with leftists. Twitter is far and away an extraordinarily liberal construct, a liberal platform put together by liberal designers and creators and liberal moderators who censor conservative speech, shadow ban conservative users, and feature liberal speech liberal media, and and more. Mob, because they do act like a mob mentality. When one or two or three of them get it rolling, all of the rest of them jump on board in the same way with a mob. It's not like 75 people simultaneously decide to loot a store at a Black Lives Matter rally or an Antifa rally. It's one person smashes a window and grabs something, and then another looks around and says, hey, he got away with it. Then me, then me, then me, and suddenly now you got 75 people. It's one after you. So it's a mob mentality. And then it's the um, uh, and then it's the judgment court, Twitter judgment, Twitter court. They pass judgment on everyone and everything, and they decided that Kirsten Nielsen, the Homeland Security Secretary, who's in charge of therefore U.S. Uh, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, should be taken to the Hague and tried for crimes against humanity because she. And by extension, her boss, Donald Trump, let this little girl die of neglect. Clearly. Clearly she and they neglected. 
this little girl, because they don't care about a little brown girl from Guatemala. How can they let her die? You couldn't give the girl some water? That was the narrative of Twitter on Friday. It's been bothering me all weekend. They want us. When I say us, I mean people who believe in American sovereignty and American security and want a border wall and don't want the migrant caravan let in under false pretenses of claims of political persecution from their homelands, etc., etc. They want us to take responsibility for a little girl who died because of the choices made by her parents. As I said before, this would be like blaming Cleveland Clinic for a gunshot victim dying after they got to the hospital. Somebody gets shot in downtown Cleveland, which is a, an all-too-common occurrence. Ambulance shows up, takes the, the, the gunshot victim into quote-unquote custody, even if it's medical custody. It's just I'm trying to draw the comparison here, of course, between uh, 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 ICE and uh, Customs and Border Enforcement. They cross illegally into Mexico. She's sick as all get out. She is dehydrated. She is malnourished. She's going into shock. She's got a high body temperature. She starts having seizures while in custody. Same thing, and just kind of playing with the metaphor here. The gunshot victim uh, is in a critical condition as well. And in both cases, Customs and Border Patrol provided immediate medical attention to this girl trying to save her life. Just like the doctors in the emergency ward at Cleveland Clinic provided immediate medical protect, or procedures uh, and uh, uh, care for the gunshot victim, both die in their respective locations. Is anybody going to blame Cleveland Clinic for a gunshot victim dying? Or are they going to blame whoever shot the gunshot victim? Well, when it comes to the border story, they're not blaming the person who malnourished and dehydrated their kid, dragging them through a thousand miles of desert. They're blaming the medical personnel that tried to save her. It's reprehensible. It cannot be allowed to stand. Sorry, this has bothered me, as I said, for three days since I heard about the story on Friday. If you want to talk about it, dial up now, 216-901-0945, the Bob France Authority. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 1025 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, I'm told that Joe in Fairview has a perfect analogy for this horrible story of the death of a seven-year-old migrant girl uh, in uh, U.S. custody. Uh, Joe, go right ahead, sir. Yeah, Bob, I thought an even better example would be what if parents left their child in a car on a hot afternoon with the windows rolled up and the police officer came, got the child out of the car, and took it to the hospital and the child died. Would we blame the police officer? 
Well, um, I, I I think extending. First of all, yes, that that's a good analogy in and of itself. But I was going to say, if the police officer rushed the child to a medical center and then the medical uh, professionals tried to provide every treatment they could but couldn't save her, would they then blame the medical professionals? Um, because that's kind of what they're doing here. That once she was taken into custody by Customs and Border Patrol. And then the medical professionals could not save her. They blamed the medical professionals that work with Customs and Border Patrol. So, yeah, it's, it's in other words, oh, I what think you're saying is it's blameless. neglect. I think both the Border Patrol, who would be the police in our example, right, correct, are, are yes. blameless because they're trying to save the life of the child. Everybody and, and associated the with them personnel. trying to save the child. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everybody tried to save the child, but the the child was put in harm's way, not by Border Patrol, as in your example, not by the police or by the medical professionals, but by the individual who's responsible for the for the minor. <laughs> which and is we've always held the parents responsible in that case. That is exactly correct, and that's how it's supposed to be. So, uh, and and and, uh, and thank you, Joe, for the for the great uh, uh, analogy there. I think you're spot on. I want to read this because I've been teasing it, and I want to read it now before the bottom of the hour. It might be uh, take me a minute or two past, but that's okay. This is the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, statement uh, and timeline on the tragic death of the minor at the, at the border. Quote. Last week on December 6th, oh, wow, so this is a little longer than I thought. I thought it was just happened late last week because this is when it all kind of came to light. But last week on December 6, 2018, a child traveling with her family illegally entered the United States near Antelope Wells, New Mexico. After completing a days-long dangerous journey through the remote and barren terrain, the child, who according to the father had not been able to consume water or food for days, began vomiting went into sepsis shock, and after receiving emergency treatment from U.S. Border Patrol Emergency Response Technicians, EMTs, air paramedics, and emergency room personnel died. Her death is an incredible tragedy. The entire DHS family offers her family their prayers and thoughts. Unfortunately, her death is not unique. Each year, the Border Patrol identifies hundreds of people who either die attempting to illegally enter the United States, are injured in the attempt, or have to be rescued by Border Patrol. This past year, alone, uh, Border Patrol rescued 4,311 people in distress. While rarely reported, this flood of injured or sick persons encountering our Border Patrol has resulted in the Border Patrol cross-training 1,300 agents as EMTs. In this case, unfortunately, we did not encounter the child sooner. As we have repeatedly said, traveling north illegally into the United States is extremely dangerous. Drug cartels, human smugglers, and the elements pose deadly risks to anyone who attempts to cross the border illegally. Once again, we are begging parents to not put themselves or their children at risk by attempting to enter illegally. Please, we are begging you, present yourselves and your children at a port of entry and seek to enter legally and safely. Below is one more, uh, um, excuse me, below is a more in-depth timeline of the events of September or December 6, 2018, prior to the child's uh, death on December 8, 2018. On December 6, at 21.15 hours, a 7-year-old Guatemalan minor and her, and her father were apprehended with a group of 163 other aliens moving or near forward operating base bounds. This is in a remote area of New Mexico adjacent to the Antelope Wells port of entry. This large group was apprehended by three Border Patrol agents. Given the remote location and the size of the group, they were moved to a covered area within the bounds FOB adjacent to the port of entry. Upon apprehension, the Border Patrol agents conducted an initial screening, which consists of an interview and observation of each detainee to identify any health or safety problems to ensure they receive necessary medical care. 
The initial screening revealed no evidence of health issues. During the screening, the father denied that either he or his daughter were ill. This denial was recorded on Form I-779 signed by the father. At this time, they were offered water and food and had access to restrooms. The Bounds POE and Antelope Wells POE, ports of entry, were not constructed to hold any sizable population of detainees. Therefore, those apprehended in this area are promptly transported to the nearest Border Patrol station in Lordsburg, approximately 90 minutes away. Around 2,200 hours, a transport bus was moved from the Lordsburg Border Patrol station to FOB Bounds. It took around two hours for the bus to arrive at Bounds. Given the size of the group and the capacity of the transport, 50 people at a time, agents began transporting the detainees to Lordsburg in separate groups. The first group, unaccompanied alien children, uh, left Bounds at Lordsburg, or for Lordsburg, rather, at 001800, or excuse me, 0018, rather, on December 7th, 2018, it took that bus more than three hours to complete the round trip and return for a second group. Around 0500 hours, as the second group of detainees, including this child and her father, was preparing to depart bounds, the father advised Border Patrol agents that his child had become sick and was vomiting. Out of an abundance of caution, agents immediately requested that an EMT meet the bus on arrival at the Lordsburg station. The transport bus arrived at Lordsburg shortly before 0630. At that point, the father notified agents that the child was not breathing. Border Patrol EMTs began medical care and requested an ambulance. At this point, her temperature was 105.9 degrees. Agents providing medical care revived the child twice. An ambulance arrived at 0640. A decision was made to transport her by helicopter to a hospital. A helicopter arrived at 0730. She arrived at Providence Children's Hospital in El Paso. Border Patrol agents transported the father by vehicle to the hospital. The child received emergency room care and was transferred to the pediatric ICU for additional care. Unfortunately, she passed away at 0035 on December 8th. The initial indication from the Providence Hospital was she passed due to sepsis shock. Her father was with her. The Guatemalan consulate was notified. As stated above, the entire DHS community offers their condolences to the family of this child. We thank the Border Patrol agents who rendered life-extending aid and the first responders and emergency medical professionals in New Mexico and Texas who did all they could to save this child. And yet, my friends, the Democrats are blaming Trump. We'll be right back. Progressive Democrats. Please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Rolling right along, 1037, the Bob France Authority. Uh, Here's how how politically incorrect. Excuse me. Here's how politically incorrect it really was. This was my statement on Facebook when I posted the Department of Homeland Security statement that I just read to you. Any disgusting, despicable, duplicitous Democrat, progressive liberal, who tries to blame the tragic death of this seven-year-old girl for political purposes on the United States, President Trump, Kirsten Nielsen, or U.S. Border Patrol, will be summarily blocked from this page and probably sentenced to hell. Okay, the last part is not up to me, but the rest of it is. The death of this girl is the responsibility of her father, who dragged her across the desert for days and weeks on end, and her mother, who stayed behind, if she approved of the trip. There is no other side of the story here. There is one story, and this is it. And I mean that wholeheartedly. There's no Paul Harvey moment coming here. 
Now you know the rest of the story. That's the whole story. That's the bottom line of the story. Little girl got sick after a terrible trip that a seven-year-old should not have to make, and a whole bunch of really, really good people tried to save her life. That's the beginning and the end of the story. No, I'm sorry. That's the beginning and the middle of the story. The end of the story is she died. They were unsuccessful in trying to save her life. That's the end of the story. There's no part D to that. You don't get to come on and say they didn't try very hard because they're Trump administration employees, and they don't like brown people. They don't like little girls trying to come into this country illegally. That's the, that's the part of the story that's not real. It's just that that's the part of the story that you're going to hear. That's part of the story you're going to hear from the Washington Post, from, from liberal Twitter, from Twitter court, and more. It is simply a lie. And, I, and now you know the, the entirety of the story. It's not the rest of the story. It's the entirety of the story. All right, 216-901-0945 if you'd like to join us. 888 That'll get you here as well. Uh, obviously, this story it buttresses right up against uh, and, and supports, I should say, the uh, uh, story about the, uh, about the border wall. We all know that Friday is the deadline. I talked to Congressman Jordan about this today. And uh, he said he really f- firmly believes that the House is going to pass the spending bill that includes $5 billion for the border wall. He truly believes it. Uh, I kind of believe that, too. Uh, he seems confident that Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer can work something out to get it through the Senate side as well. I do not believe that. I disagree with Congressman Jordan. I told him so. <clears throat> Chuck Schumer doubled down on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. Uh, over the weekend, yesterday, precisely, uh, saying that the president's temper tantrum is going to get a shutdown, but it's not going to get a wall. There's no wall. That's it. Chuck Schumer would resign his seat in the Senate. He would resign as minority leader and as a senator before he would cast a vote or allow any of his colleagues to cast a vote for Donald Trump's border wall. There's just no two ways about it. Because giving Donald Trump his border wall, even $5 billion, which is only one-fifth of the required cost, giving Donald Trump $5 billion to build even a section or two or three of his wall to get a few hundred yards uh, barricaded, would give him a political win. Give him a check mark in the promises kept column that the president has been so fond of touting. And I don't blame him. That's what he should do. He's got a check mark next to lower taxes. He's got a check mark next to deregulation. He's got a check mark next to lower unemployment. He's got a check mark next to rebuilt or, or uh, uh, destroyed and uh, revised NAFTA. Got a check mark next to pulled out of Paris Climate Accords. Got a check mark next to uh, ended the Iran nuclear agreement. Got two check marks next to Supreme Court nominees. And on down the line we go. Schumer's not going to give him a check mark next to built a border wall ever. That's not going to happen. So the only way it can happen is if Mitch McConnell has the guts and the intestinal fortitude, as it were, to change the rules of the Senate requiring the 60 votes. Lower that requirement down to a simple majority of 51 votes. Get it passed. You know as well as I do that as soon as January 3rd comes around and the Democrats are t- uh, take over in the House, nothing will get done with that border wall. President Trump's entire term, one or two, however many it is, will go by without a border wall. And this country will be weaker because of it. It needs to happen now. I had a caller last hour talking about uh, senior advisor Stephen Miller, uh, who was uh, uh, speaking on CBS's Face the Nation about this on Sunday, and he ar- articulated this particular point very, very well. I completely agree. 
This is a very fundamental issue. At stake is the question of whether or not the United States remains a sovereign country, whether or not we can establish and enforce rules for entrance into our country. The Democrat Party has a simple choice. They can either choose to fight for America's working class or to promote illegal immigration. You can't do both. The word, the operative word there from Stephen Miller, and he was spot on with with all of his words, but the most important one was promote. He didn't say accept illegal immigration. He didn't say tolerate illegal immigration. He said promote it. And by not allowing the funding for a border wall to be built, it is absolutely that. It is promoting illegal immigration. It is telling them, we're not going to block you. Keep coming. Flow across the border as much as you can. Put yourselves at risk. Put American workers at risk. Put American families at risk. But keep coming. We're not going to block you. And when you get here, and eventually when we legalize you and give you voting rights, remember who let you in. It was us. That's what this is all about, as well as representation. Because where all of these people come and flock to the same locations, which is a traditional migration pattern, they are counted in the census, citizen or non, and thus given more congressional representation. That's what this is. Stephen Miller is spot on. Democrats have two choices, protect the American worker or promote illegal immigration. This promotes illegal immigration. Jane is calling us from Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Jane, thanks for waiting. You're oh. on the air. Now go ahead. Okay, this is Jan, actually. The oh, first I'm sorry, I, I had Jane. This... My bad. Oh, okay, uh, the first I heard of the, the little seven-year-old was her father's uh, gratitude for how hard they worked, uh, the Border Patrol worked to save her life. Now, the legal vultures and uh, deplorable Hillary start shooting off their mouths uh, to make uh, make hay and money off off of this tragic death, and uh, you know where I think they they can go. And how much? Who paid Vincente Fox? Like, isn't he uh, the humanitarian that uh, you know likes money coming from uh, the states into into his country when he was president? These people are. So disgusting, and if people can't see who they are, I'm sorry. There's a lot of stupid people in this country. There are. You're right. And Uh, I'm sorry to have to say that, too, but there really, really are. And anybody who tries to buy into this narrative that it's our fault or the government's fault or the Border Patrol agent's fault or Kirsten Nielsen's fault or Donald Trump's fault about this, they count themselves among the stupid people in this country. Well, I hope that the the man has enough fortitude, the the father of a little girl, to not become become victimized and on all the TV stations and, uh, you know, it's. Uh, well, it's too he, it's too late for that. Yeah, I mean it 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 is too late for that. And you're right. The father did say some nice things. He uh, he did not have any complaints about uh, the way they treated his daughter. In fact, this is believe it or not, CNN. All right, believe it or not, CNN, purveyor of fake news, mainstream media elite, they actually have a headline. Remember I told you before we're a headline society more than we are a sustenance or not a substance society? We are. 
And here's their headline. Father of Guatemalan girl who died in U.S. custody has no complaints about her treatment, Consul says. The father of a 7-year-old Guatemalan girl who died after being detained by the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol said he has no complaint. By the way, it should be noted that the girl and her father and the other 60-plus migrants that were in that group, they were all apprehended by the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. That's CBP. That is not ICE. That is not Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The left is also trying to use this terrible, tragic death to you uh, uh, to uh, take more shots at ICE, which is their favorite whipping boys. They like to whip uh, 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 whip up and gin up anger against ICE. They want ICE abolished, and they've said that ICE apprehended these uh, these people and this girl and did not do anything to try to save her. That's the that's the narrative. So it wasn't even ICE. It was CBP, Customs and Border Patrol. Okay, that's important to note. Um. The father has no complaints about how Border Patrol agents treated him and his daughter, Guatemalan Consul Tecande Paniagua. Panagua? Paniagua. Uh, Told CNN on Saturday. The consul said the father, Neri Gilberto Cal, told him agents did everything they possibly could to help his daughter, Jacqueline Cal Maquin, after she became sick on the bus. The bus traveled from the Antelope Wells Port of Entry in New Mexico to Border Patrol Station in Lordsburg, New Mexico, about 90 minutes away, as I kind of read to you. Kyle did not speak to the media Saturday, but in a statement issued by his lawyers, he said he was grateful for the many first responders that tried to save young Jacqueline's life in New Mexico and Texas. Still, his lawyers called for an investigation that will assess this incident within nationally recognized standards for the arrest and custody of children. The family intends to assist in such an investigation into the cause and circumstances of Jacqueline's death. The lawyers, Enrique Moreno and Elena Esparza, criticized border authorities for asking Kyle to sign a form written in English about the state of his daughter's health not long after they arrived at the border when she showed no problems. This, of course, is standard procedure. They have to give everyone a quick check of their health, and part of that is asking questions. Are you healthy? Is your daughter healthy? How does she feel? And and if you say she's good, then they check you off the list and go on to see if anybody isn't. And they ask you to sign for that. So he did, because he said she was fine at that point in time. The father still claimed that she uh, wasn't even malnourished or, or dehydrated, that she got sick from some other cause. Because, of course, to say that she was dehydrated and malnourished would be to take responsibility for putting her into that situation. And so he was not going to admit to that. But he told them she was fine. He speaks no English, the lawyer said. He speaks, oh, oh goodness, I'm not even going to try to say it. Kakechi? Kiche. How do you know that, Josh Booth? That's impressive. Kiche. How about that? Look at that. Thank you, Josh. So he speaks Quiche, which is a Mayan language used in Guatemala. Spanish is his second language. It is unacceptable for any government agency to have persons in custody sign documents in a language they clearly do not understand the statement said. Well, you know what? Then that is up to the person to perhaps, I don't know, try to break the laws of a country that speaks a language you do. Then you won't have any problem with that. The lawyers clarified reports attributed to Homeland Security that said Jacqueline had not eaten or had water for several days while crossing the desert before the Border Patrol took her into custody. Jacqueline's father took care of her, made sure she was fed and had sufficient water. She did not suffer from a lack of water or food prior to approaching the border. Again, they have to say this, otherwise the blame goes where? Right to where it should, to Dad. The father has been staying at Annunciation House, a shelter for migrants in El Paso since December 9th. 
Jacqueline's body, and uh, that's pretty much the, the rest of the story, or all of the story that you need to know. The point of the matter is, this was not the responsibility of the responding U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. They took these people who illegally brought uh, or illegally crossed into the United States, who turned themselves in to three Customs and Border Patrol agents, expecting probably what? What Obama put into place and has been the law. Catch and release. They expected to be processed and released. Told to come back another time for a hearing. So they turned themselves in, and then when she was in custody and started exhibiting the symptoms that uh, that we just described, they did everything in their, power to, in their power to save her life. And the father agrees, agrees. They did everything that they could to save her life. And yet still, they are trying to pass the blame. Vicente Fox is just one reprehensible human being. He is the former president of Mexico who told TMZ when asked, who's to blame for this death? Fox said, first the people that was involved directly, but they act on their orders from somebody else. So you have to go all the way to the top. The language is more aggressive than physical violence. Speaking the way Trump speaks is not good for this nation. So his answer is, the Border Patrol and the medical personnel that tried to save the girl's life are to blame first, but since they act on orders from other, from somebody else, it's that somebody else's fault. So he basically said it's Trump's fault. Trump is, is to blame for the death of a little girl dragged across the desert by her negligent, irresponsible father rather than trying to apply for um, a, a green card and uh, legal immigration into the United States. This just can't be allowed. This really just cannot be allowed. All right, it's 1051. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming right back to you after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Yo. 10.55, final segment of the broadcast for this Monday morning. Really appreciate you being a part of it. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. If you missed the interview with Jim Jordan that we did in the first hour, uh, you might want to pick that up by uh, simply logging on to whkradio.com and going to the podcast page. And uh, you can listen to the podcast there. I think we're also podcasting or posting the podcast to the Facebook page. Are we not, Josh Booth? Yeah, just go to uh, WHK's Facebook page, 1420 The Answer. Just look for it that way, and you can listen to the uh, uh, interviews and the segments and other programs that you may have missed there as well. And i got to hit this, too, just uh, all, all the different Oh, you tweeted as well? We're tweeting it as well. There you go. So follow us on Twitter at 1420 The Answer, and you can listen to it there. i just like to use this opportunity to hit all the other ways that you can listen to the show and take the Bob France Authority with you. Take the uh, uh, all the great programming on AM 1420, The Answer, with you. You can listen to it anywhere, anytime by way of our free mobile app available on the Google Play Store and the uh, uh, Apple App Store, so you can do that. And then also, if you're at home and you've got one of the uh, smart devices like the Alexa Echo or the Amazon Echo, the Alexa device, just say, hey, Alexa, enable uh, uh, AM 1420, The Answer, and... Um, uh, the uh, the answer Cleveland and uh, and you'll get it. And then all you have to do is say Alexa, play the answer Cleveland, and we'll pop on right to wherever you are. So it's just such an easy and great way to listen to the radio program and the station whenever you want to. Jerry in Brexville, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, well, Jerry. Go ahead. Yes, Bob. I wonder how do we know that that little girl that's actually her father, and where is he now? 
He, I just read that um, last segment, uh, and I don't have it memorized, but I read where he has been staying ever since then. But I guess they have verified that this is not, you know, one of those cases. We've seen a lot of them where yeah, uh, children figured. are children are placed with other people to try to get in, uh, and then the kid yeah. is already in, and they use that kid as the anchor to try to bring another, you know, bring their actual parents in that sort of thing. But no, I think they have verified that this particular person is her father, and he is staying at a. That, uh, you know, he's in detention, obviously, because he, like the others, he was rounded up as uh, somebody who came in here legally. So he's he's waiting for his hearing, and uh, he's staying in one of the uh, in one of the uh, Texas facilities. And just one other thing, Bob, we have to get these Republicans to fight fire with fire. We've got to we've got to get Trump back in there in 2020, or this country's going to go right June, right down below. Well, uh, that's part of that's part of the get fight. More people. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. I totally agree with you. You're right, and that's why this border fight is so contentious. The left knows that if Trump gets his wall, it's another promise kept, and it's going to fire a lot of people up to vote for him again in 2020. That's why they are trying to destroy this country uh, by by not allowing the wall to be built, because they know if it's built, it gives Trump a huge advantage in 2020 to being reelected. So, yeah, they they a lot of people have said it, and I concur. They would rather see Trump lose than see the country win. They'd rather see Trump lose than see Americans win. That's the bottom line. I thank you so much for the call, my friend. I'm going to go out on a high note today. I'm not going to give Josh the uh, the ability to play the music to close the show because I've got the music to close the show today. Enjoy, Browns fans. You know Peyton and Brady and Newton and Brees. Rogers and Watson and Dalton and Wilson, but do you recall the most famous quarterback of all? Saker, the touchdown maker, had a very mighty throw, and if you ever saw him, then there is no doubt you know. All of the other ball clubs used to let me call our names. Cause we never had a quarterback who played a decent football game. Then one Thursday evening sack, Tyrod took a hit. But Baker with his right arm might gave the Browns a win that night. Then how the players loved him. And you're a big